0: PKD Black Box is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. This is the PKD Black Box, episode 43. Welcome back to the PKD Black Box. I'm your host, Sean Pryor. This week's episode, artist Martheas Wade returns to the PKD Black Box along with two new special guests, Bill McGonnell of Half Hour Waste and Lucas King of The Handicast as we have a nice roundtable discussion of geekery. So I hope you enjoy this week's show. Um, Also, just so you know, um, the PKD Black Box, along with Tales from the Attic, will be performing on a weekly basis for the month of January. I will have interviews with the creator of Uncubed and PC Weenies. Uh, On January the 12th, I will have an interview with the creator of the World of Hurt webcomic on January 19th. And then on the 26th, I will have the long overdue Best of 90s action television series episode that was recorded a while ago and it's just been a monster to edit so be on the lookout for those episodes during the month of january there will also be fresh episodes of tales from the attic every week in january february we're dedicating a month to ladies of geekery and geekdom so be on the lookout for that too i've been talking about that for a while i've locked in and confirmed all the interviews so we are good to go there so just wanted to let you know but before we get to our main topic, um, I wanted to thank the DeFixers Hideout podcast for giving our podcast, our show, a silver iPoddy award for uh, best of podcasts. We were number four on their top 10 best of podcast list. So I want to thank Umar and Maat and everybody in, included and involved with the DeFixers Hideout for giving the PKD Black Box Network the Silver Potty Award. You know, what we do here and what Donnie does with Tales from the Attic and what John's able to do with Carol Chronicles when he can do his thing. You know, we really appreciate the award. Uh, we accept it. And uh, we thank you, the listeners, for listening. We thank the Fixers Hideout for listening. We thank all of you for being uh, such wonderful fans of the show. And it means a lot to us, and it will always mean a lot to us. So please don't forget that. Also, I want to send a special thank you to the following podcast, and I'll explain my reason why in a second, but I want to say a special thanks to Comic Geek Speak, Half Hour Wasted, The Legion of Dudes, The Chemical Box, Matinee Idols, Teenage Wasteland, Comic Book Roadshow, Nothing's On, The Fixer's Hideout, Handicast, No Apologies, Ultra Friends Go, Burden's World, 11 O'Clock Comics, Raging Bullets, Comic Timing, The Geek Savants, and The Lantern Cast, for being so supportive of the Action Lab Kickstarter fundraiser that um, we've been spearheading for the past couple of months. Um, It's been mentioned on some of their shows, whether it be briefly, whether it be, you know, like a sound bite or or like a a commercial that I put together or, you know, just me hopping on the show to talk about um, the Action Lab fundraiser and whatnot on Kickstarter. As of right now, we are about $400 away from hitting our goal and I want to thank everybody that has donated, that has increased their donation. At the time of this podcast airing, we will be at nine days to go um, to hit our goal. And if we don't hit our goal, then we will receive nothing. And that would suck. But I want to say thank you for, to everybody for like, spreading the word about the Action Lab Kickstarter project. You go to kickstarter.com, types, uh, if you go to kickstarter.com, and Type Action Lab in the search header, you'll see what I've been talking about for the past <laughs> X amount of weeks. So um, I just want to thank everybody. And I, dude, I mean, there are people that are p- posting, sharing links on Facebook. There are people like sending messages to their friends on Facebook, saying, you know, hey, why don't you check out this, you know, Action Lab Kickstarter project for Fracture, and and you know, see if you're interested in it and possibly donate a dollar or more. And I just want to thank everybody that has donated. Um, It means a lot to me, and it means a lot to everyone that has a strong stake in Action Lab to create comics and just indie books in general. So, from the top to the bottom of my heart, thank you, each and every one of you. And now, on with the show. Uh, this week's episode, we are going to be uh, talking about guilty pleasures in media. Uh, for some of the listeners, listeners who have been listening to the PKD Black Box since its conception, uh, we did a guilty pleasures two-part episode with Ian Levenstein. But um, you know, we had so much positive feedback from that show that you know I decided that we should do another guilty pleasures episode. But this time, let's bring on some new folks. So on this week's episode of Guilty Pleasures Special Edition, I have Jetta... Tales of the Toshigawa artist, all-around spectacular good dude, and just one of the hardest hustlers in the business, Martheus Wade. Martheus, how you doing, sir?
1: And I'm all right, dude. Just getting a kick out of listening to y'all with fancy football, man. <laughs> 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 dude, getting a kick out of it, man.
0: Oh, cool.
1: Just listening to the heated moments. <laughs>
0: hey, sometimes you got to let that out, player. Sometimes you just got to let that <laughs> out. But, um, no, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's really good having you on the show again
1: cool man it's man dude it's fun dude i i I wish i could be on here more i gotta get skype dude that's my whole thing i just gotta get skype man just skype it out that way
0: it's free to download i will send you some headphones with a mic built in man i I will take care of you only thing you got to do is just download the program
1: now see that i need to go ahead and do that because see my thing is i don't get the chance to do a lot of podcasting anymore like uh, i used to be on comedy speak up quite often but i don't get a chance to do that anymore they used to just call me on my cell phone it was kind of like you know uh, easy that way but at the same time i mean technology has passed me by so (laughs) you know (laughs) everybody's going on the skype and everything else man and you know i'm just kind of like you know kind of left with my damn cell phone again so
0: i gotta get on the ball It's it's all right man like i said skype is free to download and only thing you need is a you know pair of headphones or like a headset and with a mic and you're good to go so we'll get you squared away All right. Now, also on the line, I have graciously had the opportunity to be on this gentleman's podcast a couple of times. He is a geek aficionado, loves the comic books, loves the movies. You know, we've talked about Rocky and Clever Lang on his podcast a couple of times. Another great person, all around good dude. His podcast is The Handycast. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, Lucas King.
2: There's no way I can live up to that intro. Come on, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you can, sir. Yes, you can. (laughs)
0: Uh, just sitting here, just trying to figure out how to salvage my fantasy football playoffs. God. <laughs> I know yeah. how you feel. I know how you feel, man. But no, it's, yeah. w- it's wonderful to, to have you on the PKD Black Box, sir.
2: It's an honor to be here, sir.
0: Just a huge honor. Also on the line, this gentleman is part of a deadly trio of podcasters that have been uh, doing it, doing it, and doing it well for over 200 episodes. He is known as the voice of Half Hour Wasted. His name is Bill McGonnell. Bill, how you doing, sir?
3: Hey, man. Happy Fantasy Football Sunday to everybody. <laughs> hey man, that, that's my guilty pleasure. Let's just go with that the next hour.
0: <laughs> uh, awesome. Thank you for being on the show, Bill. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for having me. You guys at Half Hour Wasted have been nice enough to be supportive of everything that I've you know been trying to do with PKD Media and Action Lab Entertainment And, you know, you've let me come into your house to be on your podcast. So um, it's the least I could do to return the favor. You know what I mean?
3: Hey, man, the love of the two-way street shot.
0: (laughs) Well, we appreciate it. All right. Absolutely. All right, so this is what we're going to do. We're going to talk about some of our favorite guilty pleasures. It doesn't matter what what form of media it's in, whether it be movies, music, comic books, you know, anything, television, cartoons, anything, you name it. So what I would like to do is I would like to start with... Uh, Mr. McGonnell, what is Here. one of your guilty pleasures?
3: Oh man, well you know, besides the, uh, the little fancy football thing, a lot of the half-hour wasted listeners uh, know what my guilty pleasures are because uh, I, uh, I I read, uh, Frank or Brad with them. Uh, pretty much, I'm trying to fit stuff in about every episode, but uh, I'm a um, I'm a huge fan of uh, really uh, uh, dense hard to understand authors like uh Frank Herbert and uh. Graham Morrison and Paul Levin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, guys guys will uh take him on a ride and uh make you reread a page twice, man. My wife will occasionally throw me a uh Michael Crichton or something like that. It's like that's nice man. Hey, I think I just read that book in about ninety minutes. Okay, how about a book that's gonna take me three months <laughs> to get through? Uh, when I was a kid I started reading these uh these fantasy books by an author named Stephen R. Donaldson it's it's good stuff it it's totally you know it's really dense and heavy and thematic and you know it's extreme drama there's no comedy whatsoever in it uh you know i sometimes I'll, I'll be rereading those books in preparation for the next one uh sometimes I wonder why am I doing this to myself but uh it's just a just an awesome read man the uh this guy uh stephen Donaldson has written uh he's halfway through his third uh trilogy i guess a uh guy named uh Thomas Covenant the unbeliever it's uh very much a guilty pleasure and somehow I think it's uh nearly a bestseller so I don't know if it's necessarily a hidden gem to anybody but um but yeah I'm 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 one of those cats that all uh uh you yeah, know you're waiting three years for a book to come out and you know, you know the book's coming out in about six months. It's like dang it, I don't want to do it but you end up rereading the book before it just to make sure you, you re remember everything mm. and uh you yeah, know next thing you know you're you're late on the uh, the book you're uh you're waiting on. <laughs> I forgot to ask for that new book for Christmas, too. I'm a, I'm a jackass. Uh, maybe I'll just a bunch of my bunch my back issues and wait for it to come out in paperback or something. i got to
1: talk to
2: you then, man,
1: because you got to explain to me Final Crisis, man.
2: Yeah, I was just going to say that, dude.
1: Just going to say that.
2: <laughs>
1: all right, explain to me Final Crisis, man.
2: Explain to me the one page where Superman is just staring at the Tomorrow Machine and that's it. And then they just go away from it. I can't understand that page at all.
3: Okay, well, it's all based on string theory, which is tremendous. Uh, um, string theory is that uh, the entire universe is created of, you know, everything is a vibrating wave. And as we all know, uh, you know, light is a vibrating wave, sound is a vibrating wave. So Superman basically sings the universe back into shape. Yes. That's it. That's it. Uh, Frank and Brad will be so proud of me. I just explained it to you in less than 15 seconds. <laughs> totally, yeah. Trust me, you know, Black Lives
0: uh, Matter not
2: That's normal. fantastic.
0: See and, and see what what people fail to understand is is that even though he saved the universe and defeated Side with a the song, they didn't hear that remix though. Right, uh, auto tune remix. Oh yes, it, oh man, T Pain was on it <laughs> with special guest appearances by Ti. Then Jamie Foxx came in and sang the chorus. It was off the chain. Dude, uh,
3: the, uh, the the part of Miley Cyrus is my favorite. God, have you guys? <laughs> I, I've seen you guys. That was one of my favorite clips on YouTube ever, besides uh, Surprise Prairie Dog. Uh, is the uh, the auto-tuning of uh, Miley Cyrus's "Party in the USA"? Oh my God, that, that thing makes me freaking weep with laughter every time I hear
0: it. See, I... So,
3: as they, as they take her, as they take her voice and detune it. Yeah, you know, so she sounds even worse than she normally does. I <laughs> I, know, I know what you're thinking, but uh, no, it's uh, it's even better than her regular song. Oh, let's see,
0: now 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 I got to check this out. I'll make sure that I put that in the show notes.
3: Yay. Oh my gosh! Oh, sir! Yeah, it's uh, it it's worth its weight in gold.
0: <laughs> let's uh, let's move on to uh, Mr. King. Uh, Mr. King, what is one of your guilty pleasures? It's a film
2: from nineteen ninety six. It's called Twister. <gasps> yeah, we're gonna talk about Twister. <laughs> uh, <laughs> for the unenlightened, it's a story of storm chasers chasing down uh, tornadoes, and I think it's Oklahoma. I'm not sure. Oh, right um, yeah. It's in Oklahoma, and uh, but the real purpose of this movie is, hey, look at the tornadoes, yes. and then there's kind of a story in the background. It stars the talent, the talentless duo of Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt as the lead roles, two of the driest actors in the history of acting (laughs) in an action movie. We've got Academy Award winner Philip Seymour Hoffman as Dusty Davis. I forgot he was in that. Yeah, I did too. I I watched it the other day. I'm like, oh my God, that's Philip Seymour Hoffman. We've got the incredibly underused Carrie Ells as the bad guy scientist who's in it for the money and not the science, as Bill Paxton says. (laughs) And it's just an insanely horribly written movie. Just, I mean, it's just, I mean, I'm sure on the big screen. I didn't see it on the big screen, but I'm sure on the big screen it was very impressive. But you watch it on TV, and you're just like, oh, there's a tornado. Oh, cows are flying around. (laughs) And (laughs) I mean, the movie ends with Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt tied to a lead pipe in the middle of in the middle of a tornado by a leather belt, and they survive. I mean, yeah. Hey,
3: not just any tornado. That's like an F five too, man. It's it's like uprooting barns, and uh, yeah, they're they're just hanging on. That that, God, that movie's amazing, but uh, yeah, man, that's um, that that takes place in uh, my uh, my great home state of Oklahoma, boys. And uh, yeah, you uh, you give uh, you Philip Seymour Hoffman a lot of love for wearing a hat, which I am doing right this second, uh,
0: coincidentally
3: enough. See, no. <laughs> It's cold down here in Texas, man. I need to I need to cover my hat
0: up. I understand, but what I don't understand is, like you said before, like you like you said before, Lucas. At the end, because I saw this movie at the movie theater the weekend it came out. Yeah. Um, you know, me and my best friend Chris, may he rest in peace. We we would go to like movies, especially during that period of time. Every Friday, something was out. We'd go, and uh, in Dayton, Ohio, uh, this mall had this huge, huge cinema. I mean, the screen was just. It was the classic cinema screen where it was so big it just made every movie epic, no matter how bad it was. So, we go see, we, you know, we go see um, Twister, and we get to the end part, and you know, and that big, big class tornadoes coming, and it's going to five. Yeah, you know, F5. yeah the F5. The F5 they f five. They're five. They call coming. it the finger of God. Yes, and you mean, and like not only you know were they saved <laughs> by a lead pipe and them tying themselves to the lead pipe, but. But they tied themselves down with a crusty leather belt. Okay. Yeah. A crusty and leather belt. Now let's l- let let us not forget in the beginning of the movie where Helen Hunt's dad, uh, when they all went to like the uh, safe <laughs> spot <laughs> no, in, the, in uh, the base uh, in like uh, <laughs> underground, the door was right. shut wow. and he was holding onto the right. door. This wasn't. And I can't remember he if got, it was F it was five, but he got sucked out.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, remember cause that. it went from this house to this house to this house, and it killed her father. <laughs> right. <laughs> <sighs> well,
3: and what I will love is that, uh, okay, these a uh, tornado a lot less powerful than that will drive like uh, pieces of wood through metal streetlights, but these cats are in the middle of this swirling chaos, and I don't think they
1: even got a scratch on them. Yeah. So, you know, that's a lucky break. Going, I was disappointed just because I thought that you know I was looking for the build up to them dying because I thought at the end they were gonna die and they were gonna die God, together die cause, you know while they released the little what what a probe the spike spike can probe things so they were trying the to North probe into the yeah 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 I thought they were gonna die so I was just like oh, okay that's gonna be cool you know what I mean then when they didn't they survived. I'm just like that's bullshit <laughs> <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> I was like I call foul man. <laughs>
2: Yeah, dude. And every time Bill Paxton talks in this movie, I just start laughing because there is no acting in his line reads at all. He's just like, "There's the tornado, we need to get out of here." <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's everything he says, man. It's insane. Yeah. That.
0: Yeah. His his ex, like in the movie, his ex-wife, you know, who used to be on a CBS sitcom a long time ago, actually had like you know more more acting range in that movie than he did. Jamie Gertz. Yes, Jamie Gertz. Yes.
2: Jamie Gertz. Talk about an all-star cast. As Dr. Melissa Reeves. Mm-hmm. It also. I remember her from the Lost Boys. She was a uh, she was star from the Lost Boys. Was oh, that's a right.
1: Real star from the Lost Boys. Uh,
2: mm. And it, and that movie was also just a big commercial for the Dodge Ram because like the Dodge Ram was also something that just couldn't be destroyed by tornadoes.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I've been through stuff and it was insane. What a hot ass <laughs> mess. <laughs> And there's also God. the uh, severely underused Alan Ruck in that movie as the rabbit, the math guy, who would direct them to go places.
0: Because there's no Ferris Bueller. If Bueller was there, then they could have used Ruck a little more.
2: Exactly. <laughs> no Ferris Bueller, then Ruck's not getting any screen time.
0: Exactly. And if it's not Spin City, it's not going to work either. So.
2: Exactly. Oh, wow. Hey,
0: I, I love Spin City. I used to love that show that's a fantastic show e- even when uh even when charlie sheen uh, took michael j fox's place the show was still entertaining yeah uh, yeah I-, I have to say so uh, but i digress i digress i don't want to put us on on another track uh, mr wade what do you have for us i'm
1: going go to comics dude um my, my guilty pleasure is, like, a, a artist that sometimes he gets a little bit of flack for making the characters a little bit too, uh, I guess, sexualized or something like that, man. But uh it's uh, Ed Benz, man.
2: Oh, uh, oh. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Man, dude, I'm sorry, dude. I don't care, man. That dude draws, like, the best, like, women <laughs> ever in comics, man. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, I, I've, I've got... I've actually, uh, I bought some of his Thundercat artwork uh, for my wife. Oh, really? A big Thundercat fan. Yeah, man. And 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 um, um, I've been man. I just been loving his work. I I remember his stuff on Birds of Prey from before, but it just didn't. I don't know for some reason didn't catch me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then I started seeing his original artwork. Um, in uh, well, I started seeing his stuff in Thundercats because my my wife started buying the trade. And I was like, dude, this dude right here is. Is is drawing Chitara, man, man Chitara kind of kind of cute going on right there. So, started, <laughs> you know, looking at his uh his actual techniques and stuff like that, and I bought some of those pages, man, and started looking at his stuff. And ever since then, I've just been following his work, man. I I I just think he's like he he really gets flat. Like, he well, I think he gets flat because he he does the he draws very uh, uh how can you say like a uh, um, he, he has a very voluptuous way of drawing his characters. You know what I mean? Yeah, you can hey, dude. I just looked
2: he, it up. Holy crap, man! This is awesome. <laughs> you
1: can tell that he has a very, um, a very another not an American type of a way of drawing his comic book characters. It comes out as 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 something totally different, man. And and it, it it's it's very very voluptuous, very very sexy. You know, tongue and cheek type characters like when he draws Wonder Woman and stuff like that. But man, I just I just love it. I don't know. I just love that artwork for some reason. You know what I'm saying?
0: Oh yeah, no, I feel you. I mean, like the way you feel about Ed Bennis is the way I feel about uh, uh, Terry and Rachel Dotson.
1: Right? Yeah, man. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? You, I, that's a, that's another that's another uh, two artists that I, I I really enjoy as well, man. But they get more they get more mainstream appeal than Ed Benes does, does. though. You oh, know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah. It's like uh, the one thing that really. Really got people up in arms one time is that he drew Wonder Woman, and he drew her um, with a butt shot in <laughs> Justice League of America. And, and, oh my gosh! Everybody, you know the 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 Wonder Woman fans were up in arms and going crazy, and I'm just like, "That's some beautiful work." <laughs> 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 so, you know, you know it's, it's, that's, that's that's me, man. That's my that's that's my that's my guilty pleasure right there. It's, it, it's his work, man.
0: Art, art has always been something that is anything. You might as well say nowadays. There's so many things that are just subjective, and so yeah. you know, to each their own when it comes to, when it comes to artwork. But I remember when I really when I started reading Birds of Prey, Ed Bennis was the artist, right? So right. and you know, and then I, when I was able to go back and look at previous you know Birds of Prey artists and previous storylines, and I you know, and I enjoyed it all, but. You know, I think Ed Bennis is is a good artist, though. Yes, like you said before, sometimes things might go overboard a bit, but that's just his style. You know, right, that's right. that's just his style, well, and it works for him.
3: Right? Yeah, they should uh, they, they should be cool. sorry they should be cool with Benes because uh, uh, especially the JLA stuff he had uh, Sandra Hope doing his inking.
4: So yeah, he
3: had a right. uh, he had a lady helping him out with all those uh, all those shots. Right. And, I, and I haven't seen his uh, stuff with Birds of Prey yet, um, but. I thought it was really weird that um I was reading somewhere that uh Ed Menace uh um he's he's so uh he's so Latin, uh, I don't think he even speaks English.
1: No, i I don't think he does either. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Um I mean it's uh it's pretty wild that not that you you know, aren't certainly a universal language, but yes. uh it's pretty wild that uh apparently he needs a translator to tell him, you know, tell him how to how to yeah. fit the pages together and uh yeah, his his work he, he kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, uh, Mike Fiodato, who is another one of my guilty pleasures.
0: I mean, right, they uh, right, they, both, sure.
3: they both draw um, they both draw men and ladies, in in a way that makes you want to either be with them or be them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You know, and I think I think I, get a, I think I I can I can uh, relate as an artist a little bit more because man, I get man when I was first starting out with Jetta, I got so much flack, man. You know what I'm saying? For for like uh, you know, oh my gosh, you drew her breasts, oh, why'd you do that? You know what I mean? It's just, you know, just crazy flat, <laughs> man. So it's like, I can kind of relate, man. It's just like, man, just, just appreciate it for what it is. It's art, man. You know, mm-hmm. don't pick it up if you don't like it.
4: There you
3: go. Check the check the uh, demographic who's uh, supposedly buying this thing. I think you got your answer there.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yes.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I am going to uh, take you back to the uh, cinema. I'm gonna take you to 1984, a science fiction adventure film directed by Nick Castle. tells it tells the story of Alex Rogan, an average teenage boy recruited by an alien defense force to fight in an il- in yes. interstellar war. You're ladies, animal, ladies and gentlemen, yes. the last starfighter. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People, I mean, I have a lot of friends that like dog this movie. They're like, it's so dated, and it's just, you know, the story's so poor. But I'm tell you something. In 1984, it's one of the greatest sci-fi films I've ever seen in my entire life. And, uh, you know, this was like, like besides Tron, this was one of the first movies to use extensive CGI for the starships, environments, and battle scenes. This was like a great leap compared to, like, say, for instance, you know, Return of the Jedi, which at the time. Those were all models. There's no CGI. They just used, you know, static physical models back then with uh, moving sure. film cameras for like all, you know, for all the sci-fi stuff back then. But to use CGI in a film in 84, that was, you know, major. And I just used to I love this movie and like the thing I remember most and every time I watch it, it's always the same thing. I always get so hyped up and excited when Alex Rogan is in the spaceship with his co-pilot and they're, you know, they basically by themselves, outgunned and outnumbered. And they just put the ship in berserker mode and, like, all the lasers just start going. They go, like, you know, 360 degrees, just shooting everywhere, shooting everything. That gets me so hyped. <laughs> that gets me so, so hyped. And, you know, the, the Starfighters uh, ship, they were called the Gunstars. Oh, I just I love the designs. You know, I love the, you know, the aliens, the, the ships, you know, everything. You know, yeah, the, the bad guy is two-dimensional. Yes, that's, that's very true. I just, I just love the movie. It's just, it's just so much fun. And I know a lot of people just say it's just dated and bad, but I just love everything about this movie. And the fact that the film in '84, for them using extensive CGI for about twenty-seven, there's about twenty-seven minutes of effects in that film. And in 1984, they spent fifteen million dollars on this movie, which will probably be about, uh, I don't know, now I'm, I'm just guessing here, probably about seventy million nowadays. But at that time, at that time, they spent fifteen million dollars to make this movie, and it made twenty-eight million in the United States box office. And the uh, CGI effects were rendered by like uh, something called like a Cray XMP supercomputer. Heck yeah! <laughs> you know, so I remember the days the
3: Cray supercomputer. <laughs> Nowadays, you've got a Cray supercomputer. It's uh, well, I'm holding one in my hand right now. It's called a Droid X.
0: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah man dude they're like cell phones and like you know gaming consoles that are more powerful than a cray xmp and they got it done though no they sure did they sure (laughs) did and and that's what makes it great but i tell you the thing what i loved most about the movie and it got me so hyped that like my mom when i was a kid would take me to arcades you know back in the day arcades were the shit you know you want to go play a video game you went to the arcade last starfighter video game I mean, not the video game, but in the last Starfighter movie, there was a, a console game, you know, and that's how the lead character got recruited to, uh, you know, to, to be one of the uh, Gunstar fighters. And I wanted to play that so bad, so bad. And, like, every time we went to an arcade, you know, my mom would drop me off, and I'd go hunt down and see if I could find it, and I could never find it. And, and come to find out, Atari built that console, and the only console that was ever built was for the movie.
2: Oh, wow. Oh. That's horrible. Yeah.
0: It was, yeah. The only console, supposedly, that was ever built was for the movie. But sometime in like in the late 90s, early 2000s, some programmers got together and built an emulator from the Last Starfighter video game. And it's essentially, you could play the Last Starfighter console game on your computer. That's awesome.
3: that's That's great. Did you get picked up?
0: No, I didn't get picked up, man. Dude, that, <laughs> game, that game was hard because, like, I was trying to play with my keyboard. You really need a joystick and a throttle and, like, some, you know, extra buttons and, like, and a Millennium Falcon panel to, to, <laughs> to like, to play this game. You need uh, Chewy? Um, yeah. Yes, you need Chewy and Nine Numb in the back seat. <laughs> All right? So, yeah, man. This, this game this game is no joke. <laughs> this game is no joke. But there was also an NES Last Starfighter video game that came out in 1990, and it was a conversion from the Commodore 64 game. And I know there's probably an emulator for that, and I might try to find it one day and uh, see if I can uh, see if I can peep it. So, but that's, um, but yeah, that's that that's my uh, guilty pleasure.
3: Man, it was a better world when you had to go to an arcade, wasn't it? Oh, it was yeah. just off the chain, yeah, man! and thirty quarters yeah. down, man. We uh went saw Tron Legacy yesterday, uh uh myself and uh, uh one of our great listeners, Dennis Poo, and uh Frank and Brad and I'm sitting there, they he goes into the uh the old Flem's arcade and he flips the breakers on and then all the games fire up and you, you get you getting the sound from, you know, sixty different consoles and it's just oh, it's just magical, man. I mean uh, we're uh we I think we're we're pretty dang lucky to be that uh, that generation that uh, remember at least me just being just over forty. You know, I remember when it was just pinball, and then I remember you know the video arcades when I was in high school. Man, we were just such a sweet spot. Yeah. And I still remember I was in the sixth grade, and a buddy of mine comes back from or gives me a call one night uh, about dinner time and says, "Hey, I just got back from the Gold Mine. I just spent three dollars." On some new game called Asteroids. <laughs> <laughs> i still remember the conversation. Nice, nice.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so awesome. <laughs> I miss that. <laughs> Dude, I drove. Really? I drove like um. I drove to Nashville, man, to hunt down Street Fighter Three when it first came out, man. Oh, nice! So, wow. <laughs> that was the only place. That was the only place that uh at this arcade. One of my friends called me, said he had it. It was the only place that had it that I knew of. No one in Memphis had it. So we drove, me and my friend, drove uh, uh, three hours to play that video game, man. Mm-hmm. It was awesome.
2: My father used to take us to an arcade. I remember playing the uh, X-Men Children of the Atom arcade game for the first time.
0: Oh, yeah. My oh, yeah, brain about yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: it. And I was like, this is like playing a comic book. This is amazing. <laughs> I'm Wolverine. It's, it's going insane. And there was the Simpsons arcade
0: game. and the The Turtles? The Teenage Mutant oh, Ninja Turtles have oh one, yeah, too. Ninja Turtles, oh,
2: dude, was too. Oh my god!
1: That game used to eat up some quarters, man. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, man. Oh, it used to hurt me. That and uh, Captain America and the Avengers.
2: Oh, that was great too.
0: And, like it, it was nothing like those big multiplayer arcade games where you would get like four people in at once. And, you know, and that somehow, you know, depending on, on how good the crew that you were playing with were, you could make that token or quarter last forever. Hours and hours. Oh, I missed that. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I miss that. It's it just one of those things because, like, at an arcade, and I may have mentioned this somewhere else or some, some, somebody else may have mentioned this, but at an arcade, you know, you didn't talk shit to anybody you, you, unless you knew you could beat that dude. You know what? it's yeah. it's different nowadays. We you know, we live in an age with like all this networking and you know, you can play people from around the world, you know, talk shit and everything because you know they're not coming to your house. <laughs> they're not right there. Yeah. You know, you know, they're not going to hop on a plane, knock on your door and punch you in the nuts. You know what I mean? You know or or for, or, or, for, or for the ladies, you know, punching the VJJ. You know what I mean? So um <laughs> you know, it's it's that's not going to happen. So I, that's that's just what I'm, I miss. There's just like this like air of competition. And anytime that new game came out, depending on you know what arcade you went to, there were always those regulars that had to like hop on the game first because they were the pros. And right. you know I, th- those are the kinds of things I just miss. And not all the arcade games are great, but still, I, that's just one of those things I miss.
3: Hey, let's face it, most of them were. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. I had a uh, buddy of mine who uh, who, who was just just one time, but we were at this uh, arcade across the street from uh, uh, Norman High. And um, it was about dinner time. This dude's playing Defender. And he's got so many lives built up. He uh, he turns to the guy next to him and says, You want to take this while I go home for dinner? (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) He goes home for dinner. That's amazing. Comes on back. Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
4: That's awesome. That's a gamer. No
3: doubt. Oh my goodness. I've got a whole bunch, but uh, next thing I'm going to go with is one of my uh, favorite crazy CDs. I'm one of those people that I'll listen about anything in the country and Western, and if it's Old, truly classic, you know, Waylon and Willie, sometimes I can give that a little bit of love. But for the most part, I'm kind of a... I don't even know what I listen to these days. I mean, music itself has just gone so many weird directions. I mean, there are hardly any genres anymore. But take it back to uh, 1996, and you all go out and get an album called Insides, two words, by a group called Orbital. I mean, for me I still to this day I have problems keeping track of orb versus orbital. <laughs> um just really kind of mind altering stuff. I mean you you truly really expect uh that uh Aston you took back in nineteen ninety six to kick in when you're listening to this stuff. Mm-hmm. But um one of my favorite tracks probably in the whole world is the uh the first uh track off It's called The Girl with the Signer head. And it's just this, this rotating, looping, crazy synth line that goes on for about ten minutes. It's very uh very much like uh, uh underground or um, some of the prodigy stuff before they be uh, before they sold out. <laughs> you know, go out and uh I wouldn't even suggest buying it, because uh, I don't know where you'd find the sucker. I mean I bought this back in nineteen ninety six when it came out and um, you know these days where do you even go to find this CD? Um. I mean that's 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 one, of my, that's one of the things I would want to talk about. I mean, where I mean, where do you go besides stinking iTunes? You know, to find some decent music. Oh, there. Are
0: Oh, go ahead, sir. I apologize.
3: Oh, I was just saying that there used to be a kick-ass site called uh, Etonic, uh, or Epi- Epitonic, or e- Epitonic. That was it, and uh, you could go and uh, pretty much listen to two or three tracks of any group you could conceive of, and it was mostly indie rock, um, but any group you click on, you've got two, three, five tracks maybe to listen to, and then it would have a list down the side of, you know, these groups are like this band. And you'd have maybe twenty listed. And then you'd have another fifty listed that says, if you like this band, maybe you should check this out. And man, you could go and just make yourself insane. Find a new music that you didn't even know existed, that you didn't even know you loved until you heard it for the first time. Mm-hmm. And you know, these days I was sitting there looking through my collection, trying to figure out, you know, what kind of guilty pleasures, Hidden Gems. So I had my music collection. Well, I've got a bunch. But, you know, most of it is, you know, it's not current, just because I, you know, people even put albums out anymore, and besides ACDC. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I mean, where, where do you go? Uh, I'm, I'm going to, i I'm, all pick Orbital, and, uh, you know, not, by the way, not everything Orbital does is comprehensible or even good, in my opinion. But inside is just mind-boggling. Uh, it uh, reminds me a lot of, I guess it's uh, if Pink Floyd uh, and Daft Punk had a love child, mm-hmm. yeah, that might be it. So,
0: okay, no, no, no. Yeah. I, I feel we'll, you. that for? I, I feel you because see, I know about Orbital, and the reason why I know about Orbital is because of uh, the track that they did for the uh, did for the Saint. It was called the Saint, and part two, oh, yeah. and part two of that yeah, was, was was the center.
3: Now, are you talking about the, uh, the, the
0: movie with the great Val Kiln and the great Elizabeth Shoe? Yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> oh, delicious. <laughs> I bought the CD single, and the CD single had the saint, and then it had uh, the, the B-side, which was the center. And when the first time I heard that, I was like, oh, this is awesome. And, and I remember, you know, in my neighborhood, you couldn't find any or- Orbital. And, like, I found that CD single uh, at a now defunct media play. Because me, yeah. Media Play was the place you went to get CD singles because they had every CD single known to mankind, including Imports. So that's where I heard it. I was like, man, this is off the chain. So I really got hooked on Orbital that way, but I can never find them in town. And then, like, they kind of just slipped my head. But yeah, but the Saint and the Sinner are, are both on InSides. So And that is actually still available on iTunes.
3: Mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, still available on iTunes. So, yeah, you can still cop it.
3: You know what? I have never once download anything from iTunes. <laughs> never once. <laughs> and I, I don't have a, uh, I've got a, uh, uh, I don't have an iPod. I've got a, uh, uh, a, a Zen creative MP3 player. So I've never even gone through iTunes. I just, for the most part, uh, cats will hook me up. I will actually go. I'm still so one of those cats that I want to go out and buy the CD. You know, I've got, uh, um, I could have bought uh, the new Star Death and White Dwarves, uh, c d off iTunes, but I said no, and I went to uh two or three different stores to uh to score that sucker because I won the album art you know
4: mm-hmm. oh yeah
3: I mean, I, and i don't know i i know it's a uh, uh a trite but uh you know i I miss records you know <laughs> i think records were, were where it's at, and uh you know CDs were tremendous if you're a pink floyd fan, you like CDs. ds oh, man i just i i hope this whole record thing uh you know does come back because uh my turntables uh my turntables lightened I gotta get a uh I gotta get a better uh needle. Um I've I had my turntable uh in mothballs for about ten years and finally pulled it out hooked it up uh, about a year ago and realized that my uh Stan Studio P needle, which at the time was choice and has uh since uh gotten old and uh is kind of rusty and all blown out and stuff. So Yeah, <laughs> I, I can listen to stuff but it needs to be like Wayland and Willie or C C R. know, it can't be it can't be something that you need high high fidelity audio from cause you know, my birthday ain't gonna give it to me. No. <laughs> and that's what I should ask for for Christmas—a
0: meal. Dang it. Mm-hmm. I'm a moron. <laughs> it, it's all right. It's all right, man. That, hey, that's what your birthday is for. That's nice. right. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm going to head back to comics and talk about a comic called from the early 2000s called uh, Ecstatic. It's by Axel uh, Alozanzo and uh, Peter Milligan did it. It's basically the New Warriors before there was, uh, it's basically like an updated version of the New Warriors. They're like less superheroes and more reality TV stars. The, they they were basically making fun of real reality TV and comic books they repeatedly kill they, they basically killed the first entire team in the first I- issue x-force killed them um mm. uh, there are uh here's some of the some of the team members there's Anarchist, the team self-proclaimed black canadian <laughs> whose acid-like sweat enabled him to fire uh energy bolts there's bloke he's like a chameleon character um, dead Girl, who was literally a dead girl who could rip off her arm but still control it. There was Duke, who is a green floating spirit, uh, sphere of a creature of unknown origin, who spoke his own language that no one understood. He was a cam- the cameraman for the team and just eventually became a team member. was El Guapo, a sexy male mutant with a flying skateboard that had a mind of its own. Um, at one point, they tried to get Princess Diana to be part of the team. Oh, no. But uh, the uh, Royal Crown got kind of upset with that. So they changed her character to Henrietta Hunter, an <laughs> inexplicably reanimated woman with enhanced physical ability and, and empathy.
4: Uh,
2: there's Mysterious Fanboy, the self proclaimed greatest fan of Static X. He was put in the team so his power and unstable personality could be placated in control. Uh, there's Orphan, the de facto leader. A suicidal mutant with purple skin and antenna on his head. He had heightened senses, super speed, and the ability to levitate.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: there was Fat, PHAT, uh, an openly gay Eminem slash uh, vanilla ice rapper type of guy who could harden or soften his skin to any density he wanted. Bro. Uh, <laughs> there was St. Anna, an Irish. Argentinian mutant with the ability to levitate and control motion of objects as well as physically and mentally heal, heal, heal others. There is Spike, a controversial African-American character who made fun of Anarchist for being white inside, uh. <laughs> even though his skin is black. <laughs> he is capable of extending thin spikes from his body. There is You Go Girl, a blue-skinned, redhead, narcoleptic teleporter. <laughs> <laughs> There's, awesome name. Yes. there's Venus awesome name. de Milo, who was made entirely of red-crackling energy that it, uh, she could teleport, and there was Vivisector, who's my favorite, a bookish, a bookish scholar who could transform himself into a wolf-like creature with enhanced senses, speed, agility, and razor-sharp fangs, who was brutally romantically, uh, uh, romantically linked to the fat character. <laughs> and uh, the the uh, the storyline that turned me on to this book was called uh, Ecstatic versus the Avengers. Um, this military group from Russia kidnaps the Dupe character, and they take his brain out. And I guess his brain is like an Omega class weapon, like it blows up the Kremlin at one point. And because of that explosion, the brain like gets blown all over the world, and so this comes to the attention of the Avengers who want to get the brain and destroy it. And ecstatic wants to get the brain and save their friend. Right. And so the, the rest of the arc is ecstatic and the Avengers fighting and the <laughs> Avengers kick the shit out of this team. <laughs> for the rest of the arc like captain America breaks someone's neck at one point. Um, I think iron man like evaporates dead girl with his laser beams. Um, you know Thor like destroys like crushes dupe with his hammer, and, and I read online that the reason they did it is the book was getting canceled, so Milligan was like, "Well, if my book's getting canceled, I want to send them out in the biggest over the- top, crazy fashion that I can. It's an insanely just hysterical read that this book knew what it was and just ran with it to the very very end. It's an insanely awesome book.
0: Now wow. did, did Mike Alred also do artwork for for Ecstatics? Let me look here. Mike Allred.
2: Yeah, right here. Mike Allred did. It's an insanely good book. If you like just over-the-top crazy books, pick it up. It's really good.
3: Now, how many issues does this thing run?
2: It has four trades, and I guess it started in an X-Force run, uh, and they brought Dead Girl back in 2006 to run around with Doctor Strange for a little bit. Awesome. Yeah, Yeah, it's pretty good. It's, It's interesting, which is why I like it. It's different, so...
3: Yeah, I call that uh, art is, uh, is kind of trippy to me. I mean, it's always been. It, it seems like he's homaging Kirby uh, 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 to some extent. I mean, he's not trying to be photorealistic or any of that uh, silliness. And yeah, those characters are. Uh, they have some cool costumes, man. I like the guy that looks a lot like uh, uh,
1: Colossus. Yeah, yeah. I remember that book because I got a. I got a feeling of. Uh, uh, that it was really kind of um, <clears throat> Andy Andy Warholish as far as like the uh, the ability to take something and and, and make it into into uh, uh, something that is not you know like a, a soup can deal and all that kind of stuff and and uh, taking these guys and 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 making them you know celebrities and stuff like that and uh, the garish colors and, and all that kind of stuff I was kind of like I was I was tempted to like really pick this book up and stuff like that but. I'm not really that much of a Marvel fan. I'm more of a, a DC fan, so I was kind of like, I, I don't know, stumped about it being right when I was like getting ready to be. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and grab it. Yeah, dude.
2: You know, it do didn't it. didn't seem like
1: it was around a lot, a long, a, a, a real long time. I didn't know if it was a, it was meant to be a series or was it like a miniseries or something like that. And I didn't know. might kill me for this one man. but my guilty pleasure man is katie perry i'm sorry <laughs> katie perry dog
0: hey 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 listen you're amongst friends you're amongst yeah. friends it's all right listen i didn't like her first album but i was with the missus and i listened to the second one i can co-sign on the second album that first one i can't deal but this the second album i can co-sign
1: the second album man the second album was good man it's, it's like a I I, didn't, I thought it was going to end up being... Um, I'm not into the whole pop deal, you know what I mean? I'm just not into the whole, you know, the pop thing. So as soon as she came out with her first album, I was disposed to just be like, I don't like it. You know what I mean? I don't even want to hear it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I saw her on... Um, it was one of the award shows. I can't exactly remember what it was, man. She was. She actually can sing for real. Yeah. You know, so uh, I was I like... Think I think you're thinking of Sesame Street. Street. What'd, you, what'd you say? I think you're thinking of Sesame Street. <laughs> was it Sesame no 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 didn't she get banned off of Sesame Street or something
2: like that <laughs> for being yeah. too hot it's insane
1: <laughs> yeah yeah She and then she did that thing on uh, on uh, Saturday Night Live which which yeah that was uh, did y'all that,
0: that was amazing you know, yeah I saw that that was, that was yes. amazing that, yeah
1: I think I think that's what really made me a fan right there that was, that's what that's put me over the over the boat right there over the edge you know what I'm saying but but, um, but yeah she was she I saw her I saw her performing you know what I mean and stuff like that you know you know, you got to take that stuff with a grain of salt as well, you know, because it could be doctored or whatever, still, because it's still an award show. But at the same time, I was kind of like, you know, it's pretty cool. I'm going to give it a listen.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, and she, she, you know, she got some, you know, it's not like the, the typical, typical pop stuff. I mean, it's actually, she actually got some, um, some skills. She kind of reminds me of um, a little bit of what Christina Aguilera was when she first came out, because Christina Aguilera was, it was like really like a Britney Spears clone, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And then she uh, she actually started, uh, you know, branching out on her own, and she actually started really well. I'm talking about really singing, man. Right? Yeah. You know, so I kind of digged on that.
0: Like when when uh, when when she first came out, not a fan, not a fan. I just thought it was more of a right. gimmick. I thought it was I thought her, I thought a lot of her songs were more gimmicky than actually songs themselves. Right. And, right. Um, right. Because like with pop music, pop music, there's always a give and take, and there's always you know, you'll go an ebb and flow when it comes to pop music. Like, you'll have, you know, eras of pop music where you just get, like, all types of diverse stuff, and it's great, even when, right. even when corporate radio tries to ruin music for everybody. But there are these, you know, nice eras of pop music. And, like, right now, I don't know whether it's on the uptake or on the downcline or if it's just in the middle right now, but there's some good stuff out there. you got to go find it. But, no, but as far as people that are in the limelight, uh, somebody like her, her album, no, it's it's good. This this new album is good. I I I, I can I can verify on that. So yeah. you know, ain't no shame, none whatsoever. You should not be ashamed.
1: Yeah, I was I was uh, I was I was I was like, man, should I say Katy Perry, man? Because then I'm gonna get a whole bunch of emails from folks being like, man, you like Katy Perry, man? I hate you, man. You know that type of stuff. Now, man, it's like, man, it's like
0: I don't care, man. There's, there's, there's no there's no need to care. Listen, black man can listen to a white woman that that sings. It's all right. <laughs> It's stupid.
1: <laughs> see, most people. See, most people are like man, yeah. My guilty pleasure would be Drake. Drake ain't a guilty pleasure, man. Drake, Drake be flowing, man. You exactly. know what I mean? He's he's he he That's not a guilty pleasure because everybody likes him. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? See, it, when it, you come off the, you got to come off the come off the idea of what you got to like, and then that's how you get your guilty pleasure. So that's what I was coming off of—something that people wouldn't think that I like. but I do anyway.
0: There you go. There you go. See, <laughs> be proud. Be proud of that. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to take it to the home console video game section for for my my, uh, guilty pleasure choice. This game I now have on an emulator somewhere. Um, You know, there are far more games nowadays that just outshine this game as far as playability, uh, interactive abilities, and all this other stuff. But this was the original game, and you couldn't fish there, there's no way to, to fish in a video game unless you had an NES and played Black Bass. Oh my god, really? <laughs> Black
2: That's Black amazing. Bass?
0: Black Black Bass. Yes. Black Bass. I don't even remember. It, it it was a fishing game that was on the uh, NES, the Nintendo, Nintendo Entertainment System. This game cost like 60 bucks, okay? And it was so hard to find. I mean, do people, like there were people that have it and were able, they would buy it, play it for two weeks and say, you know what, I don't want to play this anymore. And they could take it back to like a video, like a, like, you know, a video rental store or like a place that would, buy, that would buy games off of you and actually get more for it, um, more for it than what they paid for it. Because that's how popular the game was. And, um, and basically all it was, the graphics were not that great. You just basically had a map, and it was, like, you know, all these lakes and rivers and open water areas. You take your boat, you take your little little generic blip of a boat and, like, you know, put it in, like, a certain area. Then you start fishing. And As a matter of fact, let me pull up the uh, sometimes reliable Wikipedia to give you all a breakdown. Uh, the objective is for the player to catch as many black bass as possible from sunrise to sunset. The player may select a beginner's game or ranking game. Um, from here, a player may select a location on the lake and start and to start and at oh, I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. From here, a player may select a location on the lake to start, at and begin fishing. Simply tossing a lure out with the desired power will start the process. A fish can be lured in by moving the lure around. If it bites and then the player can reel in the fish. So, you know, it's so like, you know, you, got, you have to watch how you reel. You got to watch how you cast your rounds. You know, you can do all types of things. It was, it was like the first fishing simulator. <laughs> it was the first fishing simulator uh, ever ever made as far as I know. And me and my friends, we would sit there and play this game for hours. And But in real life, I hate fishing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I never understood that real life. I hate fishing, but you know, when Black Bass came out, I was like, "Oh, this game is fucking awesome!" And you know, and as time as time progressed, you know, uh, gaming systems like the Dreamcast, they had like you know realistic fishing games where you would have like a actual like video game type um, caster, so you could cast your reel. And you know, and it begins to become more and more advanced as time as went along with like Nintendo Wii and all this other stuff, but this game. You know, people scoff at it now, but, oh, it's it's still a guilty pleasure of mine. And I'm, I'm terrible at it, but I still love it. But, yeah, uh, Black Bass. Uh, look it up. Uh, you, you, I'm sure you can find it somewhere, and I'm sure if you have a Nintendo emulator, you can play it. Not much to it at all. There's not much to it, but there's a lot to it. And I think that was the other thing that uh, got to me, too, because, you know, you have to set all these settings. You know, make sure your boat's straight. Make sure, your, you, you know, your lure is straight. All this other stuff. And this was also a two megabit cartridge, which means that, you know, it, you know, stored memory. So, you know, and like, as we all know, like the games that actually stored memory and kept your stuff on file were always more expensive than your basic ones where you just continued until you couldn't continue anymore and that was it. You had to keep the Nintendo on pause and let it overheat, you know, so you could play your game later. But, um, but no. I
2: did that back in the day totally but did, did that back in the day.
0: Oh yeah, we burned out a hell of a Nintendo NES doing that stuff. Oh yeah. Uh, but um but yeah, man. That that was the game, uh Black Bass. Nice.
1: Black Bass. I'm I'm still trying. I don't re- I don't remember that game, man.
0: Oh yeah, man. Hey.
1: It seemed like something I would have been into too. I mean, I used to love those type of simulator games, the old type of simulator games, man, and you know, uh sports simulators like uh they had the ones what was the one um It was called uh, uh, the Olympics, and you could do the uh, archery and all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, I
0: know what you're talking about. Yeah. You
1: know, uh, uh, I used to love those type of games, man. But uh, I got to look that up, dude. (laughs) Black Bass.
0: Yeah, you won't won't be – well, actually, you may be disappointed if you try to play it now when you look at some of the games that are out nowadays. But, uh, yeah, man, Black Bass was freaking awesome back then.
3: Is and it's still got to be better than sitting in a boat, man. I, I know I'm going to get emails for this. Well, maybe. <laughs> but I've just—I've never understood what the allure is of a person going out on a fifteen thousand dollar boat with a you know seventy five dollar rod and you know God knows how much you know worth of beer on them. Uh, the whole purpose is trying to outsmart a fish. <laughs> so you're trying to outsmart a fish I just need to make sure I was understanding what was going on here <laughs> you know, a fish a fish don't even have higher brain functions, okay they're pretty much creatures of instinct, you know, like uh, like one of my cats you know, I mean, you know, if a fish could drool on itself, it would and you're, you're literally trying to outsmart it with electronics, with range fighters, with sonar you know, I mean, I, you know what, if you're really, if you, if you hungry and you need some fish, get a stick of dynamite, go to your pond, and take care of business. Get back to your house and hit the television
0: again, you know? Goes to show what I know. I thought you'd be the type of dude that would like to sell in the boat and fish.
3: Uh, you know, I've, I've never been a fisherman, and we've got, uh, well, for this way, um, I've actually, uh, uh, back in the day, uh, I, I directed shows for uh, In Fisherman Magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, so i 've got that on my uh, on my, my credits but uh, uh, and we got um, what I think was a bad ass rod and reel uh, sucker 's been in the wall in my garage i 've never even i 've never never even whipped the shaft of that thing <laughs> um, we 've got uh, a couple of Shakespeare rods, which are collapsible, and so our entire fishing rig, should we ever want to use it, is literally in a shoebox <laughs> <laughs> I've literally got a shoebox with two rods, two reels, tackle, the glove, the knife, the whatever. And uh yeah, once every twelve years or so we'll take that sucker out, dust the uh you know, we'll dust it off and you know, then we'll actually not go fishing. So, yeah, you know, I managed to avoid it as often
1: well as possible. <laughs> uh, I wasn't say, I used to like fishing when I was in bullet. Um and the, um, but it had nothing to do with the actual act of fishing. It had more of the actual or more of the act of being around a whole bunch of other the boy and we just kind of out there at the lake tripping, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh and I think I think like my one of my friends, his dad used to be he, he was like a hunter guy. He used to just go out, he used to hunt deer, he used to go out and hunt, you know. He used to hunt whatever. He hunt people they could he was whatever it
4: was.
1: <laughs> but he used to go fishing and stuff as really well. And his thing was, was 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 the relaxation factor. It wasn't really the competition factor. I I can kind of understand what you're talking about. I don't understand the competition factor either. You know what I mean? But um, I I know a lot of the guys that I used to go out go fishing with. You know, it was about the camaraderie as opposed to the actual act of the fishing. Yes.
0: So, <laughs> Mm-mm-mm. I didn't know. I, I didn't know I was going to get this deep into dis- a discussion on fish by talking about the <laughs> NES game. I
3: don't know if this a guilty pleasure or a hidden gem, but uh, give me some television football.
4: Oh. <laughs>
3: yes. Oh, baby. Little uh little intelligent football with the uh I'm I'm sitting here looking at uh uh some guy on uh, uh saying he's got his unstoppable 9824 play, which is of course ridiculous. We <laughs> all know that the two unstoppable plays in uh, television football were a 9914 <laughs> and my personal play, the 9813. The
0: the, the so. fact, the fact that you still remember the numerical keypad plays
3: <laughs> well and that's what that's what made me so crazy about uh four or five years ago they started coming out with the uh, you know the handheld emulators you just you literally just you got the handset and you just plug the thing in your t v and it's got the games in the handset, yes, well, you know the intel- I, I got the IntelliVision one because I'm like cool man, they got football, they got skiing, they got baseball, they got this, they got that, you know, like ten television games, which I love um but it's not. It doesn't work without the keypad. Yeah. It just. It just doesn't because you can't put, you know, your nine eight one three in, and you know everybody remembers in television football. At least all the, the good people do. Uh, you had uh, five people total on each team, and uh, there were there there was no you know there were no wind conditions. One team wasn't better than another. You weren't you weren't playing San Diego versus Oakland. I mean it was just team a versus team b you get the red team versus the blue team That's that's it and um... you have your uh... your four guys in the line and then your quarterback and the four guys could either be offset to the top of the screen or offset to the bottom of the screen and um... my play and I, I wish we could do this online because I defy anyone you know to uh... to defeat me um... my uh... my play had uh... had the, uh, the guys offset to the top and so the uh... Um, At the snap, the bottom guy um, drops to the very bottom of the screen. I run to the top of the screen with three blockers. Now, at that point, I'm basically looking at an option pitch because (laughs) if you decide to commit to the guy I'm going to throw the ball to, well, then I'll take it and white line it uh, on the top of the screen, and I get to the point where I'm one pixel away from the edge, and I'm gone. Uh, or if you wanted to commit to me, I just got the sucker all the way down to the bottom of the screen as that little old lonesome guy sitting down there waiting for the pass. And uh, you know, um, the whole point of the television football was not the big plays. The whole point was the guaranteed three or four yard gain every single play, and you just grind uh, the other guy down. Yeah. We we had in television leagues. i still got uh, <laughs> i still got my team. I've still got my team name and logo sitting around here somewhere. Yeah, so I was charging. I was charging hamsters, which I uh, shortened to uh, charging stars. So, uh, you yeah, know, that was awesome. I, uh, I borrowed borrowed a little bit from San Diego's logo, just a little bit. You now, and then I threw a hamster with a football helmet on top of it. No, that's so, awesome. That was, that was back in the days when I uh, I really wanted to, uh, um, I really wanted to be a uh, pen for comic books. Mm-hmm. So I I uh, tried to uh, I tried to figure out how to draw, and uh, it took me until I was probably. Uh, I don't know, sophomore high school, to figure out that this is not a gift of mine. You know, I don't know what my gifts are, but this is clearly not one of them. So, uh, you know, I have issues with perspective and motion and making faces look consistent and you know, things like that. Hair, background, <laughs> buildings. But other than that, I'm pretty good.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, man, a football, the greatest game of all time. Um, I don't want to jump the gun, you know. Super tech mobile that gets a lot of play too, but yeah. uh television football is where it all
0: started the fact that you said that you had it in television leagues as a kid is hilarious um, <laughs> the, the, you know there you there used to be a um i used to have a commodore sixty four and my commodore sixty four had a football game where it had all these made up team names, but you could program how powerful you wanted certain players to be like say for instance you had your all, you know, you had your offensive players and your defensive players and your kicker, and it was like rankings of like one, two, whatever. Okay, so if you if you want your quarterback to be your you know your best player, you give him the highest number ranking, or you know whatever, whatever. So what me and some of my friends did was, come to find out, we could change the names of the teams and the colors of the teams, um, you know, but we couldn't like put in player names, but we could like you know change the rankings of the of the of the players. So what we did nice. is we we drafted. We drafted our own teams you know, using pros that were in the NFL. We made team helmets. We had a draft, and basically if you, your number one player had your highest ranking, and then your, you know, your last player had the worst ranking. And so then we programmed all that into the game, and then we simulated a season. Even back then on the Converse 64, to simulate a season took about two hours. <laughs> You know, nowadays it takes ten <laughs> seconds, but you know, but back then it took two hours. So we're looking at all the scores and schedules and stuff like that, and that was like the greatest thing ever, ever. But um, you know, the fact that you talked about a, uh, <laughs> the fact that you talked about a in television league just made me think of that for some reason. That is just hilarious.
3: <laughs> and I, I mean, I look at you and I'll say, hey, dude, I'm on the nine eight one
0: three. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, life is good, man. Yes, yes, indeed
2: i'm gonna head back to the cinema a uh, movie from 1979 movie called the warriors this is one of my favorite movies ever but not a lot of people i know know about it so it's kind of a guilty pleasure for me mm-hmm. um, are you kidding <laughs> Up here in Maine, man, we're a sheltered lot. I'm sorry. I
3: guess I'm old <laughs> enough to be right there with you. Um,
2: the basic plot of the movie is it's kind of a alternate reality in uh, New York City that's run by all these different gangs. Uh, the gang names are fantastic. There's uh, We have the Turnbull ACs, who are a uh, kind of a skinhead lot. We've got the Orphans, who are just kind of a homeless gang, but they all kind of hang out together. Uh, the Puries, which are like these baseball guys, like they're baseball guys, but they're a gang. Then they wear face paint. It's fantastic. Uh, the Lizzies is an all-girl gang. Um, and the punks are guys who wear overalls and roll around in roller skates. Um, and, but the basic plot is the, uh, this alternate reality in New York is run by these gangs, and there's a, a dominant group uh gang in, in the city called the, uh, called the Riffs, and one night they call all these gangs together with, with no weapons, and and it's, it's a meeting, it's, and, and that's it, so there's no weapons, and the, the leader of, of the Riffs comes along and says, uh, we're a lot of people, and we could run this this city if we want to, uh, if we all just became one giant gang, and everybody's behind it, but then all of a sudden, someone in the crowd goes ahead and, and shoots Cyrus. And uh, hell, all, all hell breaks loose, and there's a, a gang from Coney Island called the Warriors, and the crime gets randomly pinned on them. So they've got the cops and every gang in New York City trying to kill them because they killed this uh, very powerful gang leader. And the movie is them basically trying to get back to New back to Coney Island from uh, Brooklyn in one night with all these different... Crazy gangs trying to find them. It's a fantastic film. Oh it's my so- god!
3: Dude, uh, Joe Walsh wrote in the city
2: uh, for that movie.
3: Yeah. Well, maybe one Joe Walsh's greatest tunes ever. But man, that that opening scene. You know, I I, I don't have it. Uh, I don't have it here with me. But that's got to be one of the greatest drops ever. Um, as uh, Cyrus asks uh, the, uh, the the disheveled crowd. Can you dig it?
2: And then yeah. twenty thousand people just go insane. Yeah. It's oh awesome. my god. So, awesome.
0: so Now there was a, um, there was Rockstar Games did a uh, did a version of the Warriors, right?
2: Yeah, it was more of a, a prequel game to the movie. Like the, the the game started at the beginning of the movie, and then they're like, "How did we get here?" And and the rest of the game is basically kind of fleshing out the back history of the Warriors and how they know each other and why they're all so close and. And, and then and then they cut back into the movie, and it was it was really well done. I, I love that game; it's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's a it's a great film, and it's just it's every gang gang has their own style, and and each of the warriors is their own unique character, but they're all you know like, they they all work together really well, and it's I I just love the movie so much. It, it's a fantastic. Man, if
3: you uh if you don't uh I mean I'm, I'm no Yankee lover, God knows, but. Uh, yeah. Man, how great were the Baseball Furies? Oh, great. they were fantastic. Is that, is that the greatest freaking name for a uh, for a gang ever?
2: Yeah, <laughs> with the face paint, yeah, it was insane. So good. They they they, they all looked like Brandon Lee from the Crow. I thought. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was awesome. Uh, uh,
1: Cross have a movie that it, you know maybe I, maybe I'll get to, but I gotta say this comic first. Um, "Empowered" by Adam Warren. That's a that's a that's a guilty pleasure, my man, just because of the 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 actual, you know the, the the naughtiness of the actual book. But aside from that, that book actually has a lot of heart to it. Um, a little bit of backstory about it is Adam Warren. Uh, from what I what I what I understand is that he used to he gets a lot of you know, risque commissions and things like that, and he ended up um, doing this one commission for this guy, uh, doing a couple commissions for these for for people with this one particular character, and um, he was he hit Dark Horse up with the idea of doing a book about this character because he's actually been doing uh, coming up with a character coming up with storylines in his head because he's been drawing the character so long for other people, and he um, 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 uh, Dark Horse said, yeah. So he's been putting his book out. It's about this character called Empowered, who is a, um, uh, a a super who wants to be a superhero. She's a part of a superhero team, like she's like a superhero kinda in training, and she has a super suit that always gets destroyed. Um, it's very flimsy. The suit gives her powers, uh, um, but and, and she has this really big self-esteem issue about the fact of her trying to be a superhero and winding up in all these these really messed up you know uh, uh, situations uh um, because of the suit's uh, vulnerability to being torn uh, and and of course it gets torn off in risque ways and things like that because the you know this the actual idea for the comic came from him drawing risque com- uh, commissions anyway but um deep down it comes there's a there's a really deep story about her and uh you know her relationship with her roommate who was a ninja and her um, her uh, boyfriend who was an ex uh, ex ex thug. His name is Thug Boy. He used to be a, <laughs> a a a guy that was a um, uh, just like a, a a a hitman for hire for for big villains. The big villains would go out and get him and some of his friends to be henchmen. So um, he would be he was different henchmen from in 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 all types of of costumes and things like that, a la the. Uh, the Batman TV series and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, 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 it's really cool. It's, it's, it's got a heart, you know, it's, 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 it, you know, uh, again, it's one of those things where if you look at it at face value, you'd be like, no, I'm not going to read that book. if you know, it has this, that, and the other in it. But at the same time, she, you, you dig down and you, you read the over, overreaching arcs for him. It has a really good story in it, and Really beautiful artwork by Adam Warren. I've always been a fan of him. He is the one that brought, um, uh, manga to, I, I want to say brought manga to America, but he has made it, he was one of the first people to incorporate it into American uh, style comic books, uh, mm-hmm. manga illustrations, and, and um, he's, he's doing it beautifully in this book. I mean, everything is actually, I think he's, none of this book is actually inked. There might be a couple of, pa- a couple of panels or a couple of pages where he might go in and put some ink in it, but all of it is actually um, pencil artwork. And it's it's awesome. It's 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 and it's well written. Very very well written. Um, um, I don't know. I would I I think I I would check it out. But it's on my guilty pleasures list just because of the naughty nature of it. So you know, it's something you wouldn't buy for your ten year old.
4: <laughs>
1: you know, but at the same time, you know, if you want to get get out, try something new, uh, independent comic book. Um, if you're into manga, into anything like that, then you know, it's an awesome book.
0: I know that Adam Warren uh, recently has gotten some work for Marvel as of late.
1: Yeah, you know, yeah,
0: because like I, I actually have one of the empower, one of the empowered volumes. I just haven't had time to read it, uh, along with the other stacks upon stacks of books I've yet to have time to read.
1: Empowered is one of the books I can actually say that once I get it, I read it immediately straight through. And, but it's a it's a really thick book because it comes out and it's a, it's an original um, original graphic novel. Mm-hmm. So it comes out in in in. Really big formats and it's this long gap, you know, between issues. I mean, or volumes. But you know, it's really it's really good. It's 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 a really good read. I mean, each story builds on each story. You know, and it, the the earlier ones because I think he's up to volume four or five now. The earlier ones are um, are really more cartoon news, like uh, uh, uh like every chapter. Is only about maybe two or three pages because he does it in like this type of cartoony strip way. Mm-hmm. And but the overreaching arc, the overreaching book, makes a whole, you know, whole uh, an entire story. Oh, okay. um, as he's getting later, yeah, as he's getting later on in the in the, in the issues and in the, in, the, in the volumes, he's actually getting it to where each chapter is a little bit longer, like a comic book. So you can kind of see the evolution of the character and the evolution of what he's actually doing, his story, as he goes. And that's that's one of the things I'm really, really big on, too, is being able to see the evolution because each book is such a long read and it's a long wait in between that when you get a volume, it's almost taking a chunk out of somebody's actual life, uh, artistic life, and being able to open it up and saying, man, this dude is growing in this story as I speak. I mean, as I'm I'm reading it, you know what I mean, as I'm looking at it. And it's kind of cool to see
0: see a transition like that it may make me uh jump a little bit quicker to actually read uh the volume of empowered that i have because it's still sitting there looking at me and i wish it stopped looking at me i got too many damn books man. (laughs) it's ridiculous and i cut and i cut back man i cut back i still got too much stuff to read it's way too much stuff uh one day one day i have some free time one day (laughs) but uh wow i feel you know i feel you on that though no i know i know and One of my guilty pleasures is a old uh, Filmation cartoon that uh, wasn't out for long. I think it only ran for one season. It had, had about 13 episodes. I bought the DVD on the cheap. It was a Filmation's version of Flash Gordon.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was awesome, man.
0: And um, That was awesome. Uh, there's a lot of people I know that just loathe Filmation's uh, Flash Gordon. But if you watch the first two episodes, first two or three episodes, originally, this was supposed to be, an, I guess this was supposed to have a theatrical release. And what ended up happening It was it didn't happen, something didn't work out, so they just made it for television, so it ended up showing up on television. Well, the original episodes, a lot of the stuff that's in the first couple episodes, because it's, you know, in a lot of stages, it's like very cinema-like, they did a lot of rotoscoping for this cartoon. And back then, that wasn't cheap. So... There are a lot of scenes where you're like, well, this looks like this came out of a movie. Well, it was rotoscoped where it's actually, you know, something from a film that they, you know, animate and, you know, change up a little bit. And it's a, you know, the storylines are very basic. It's Filmation, so, like, even when Filmation tries to be slick, they still have, you know, inexpensive ways of making cartoons because Filmation was, like, one of the few American, uh, American built animation studios. Well, they're not anymore because they're no longer in existence. But, um, there's just, you know, something about, that's the Flash Gordon I grew up on. You know, I saw that first, then I saw the Flash Gordon movie, um, which could also be, <laughs> which could also be an ultimate guilty pleasure, you know, right, right there. Um, did we lose Bill? No, I'm right here, man. Okay, cool. I was, I was, I was like, Bill is quiet. No, I was just, I was, I was enjoying your, uh, your love.
3: I'm taking aback by, uh, your Flash Gordon thing, man. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I saw that in the theaters, you know, back in 1980, whenever it came out, and um, I, I went out and uh, I've got the special edition DVD, next me wish I wear it for Blu-ray, but oh. uh, I loved that cartoon, loved it, and that was, uh, what, Saturday morning, um, came on at like 11 o'clock, I guess, 12 o'clock Eastern Time, <laughs> uh, it was right at the end of the, uh, the block, uh, but it was one of the last great Saturday morning cartoons to come out, in my opinion.
4: Yeah, it's, and then
3: it all went to Rubik's Cube and Smurfs and, you know, everything. Everything had to be a corporate tie-in for about to the next 10 years. Yeah, so but, sorry for kids back then. But you know what,
0: man? Even even during that period of, uh, you know, like TV toy tie-ins, there was still a lot of creativity there, too. And there was a lot of stuff that didn't even have toys that had cartoons. This was when, like, everybody was investing money in, into animation and cartoons because syndicated TV and Saturday morning, car- Saturday morning cartoons – is where, you know, networks made money, and TV stations made money, Um, and so because of that, we got all these cartoons. Now, a lot of them were bad, like the Rubik's Cube cartoon. I remember watching that as a kid. I'm like, yeah, this sucks, and I would flip over. I I, I would flip over. Hey, there's Turbo Teen, and I would watch Turbo Teen, you know, which is... A ridiculous concept, but as a child, <laughs> it's the greatest thing on the face of the planet. A teenager who could transform into a car. And oh, yeah. and the only way. He, when he got hot? Yeah, when he got hot, he turned into a car, and it would take cold water to you know, to change him back to normal. Yes. Right. Turbo team. And, um, you wow. know. <laughs> yeah, I took it back. Or, like, the um, really bad cartoon of uh, The Thing from Fantastic Four. Where it had nothing to do with the Fantastic Four, nothing to do with like you know the Ben Grimm that we all know as a teenager named Benjamin, uh, Benjamin Grimm, who had a ring, and anytime you wanted to turn into the Thing, he would uh, combine his two rings together and say uh, "Thing Ring, do your thing" or something like that, and like all these rocks would like hop on him and he turned into the Thing. As a kid, thought it was awesome because the Thing had his own cartoon, had his own cartoon series. And I turned, when I turned about 12, 13 years old and I saw it later, I'm like, who in the hell thought up of this idea? This is just stupid. <laughs> you know, but as a kid, you know, I was like I didn't know any better. But like you get older, it's like, you know, there's a whole history of the Fantastic Four here. I mean, Hanna-Barbera did a Fantastic Four cartoon in the, in the late 60s, early 70s. And then there was the uh, to Patty Freeling Fantastic Four cartoon with Herbie the Robot. Somewhere, somebody saw this stuff and said, "Hey, this is the thing, right?" Well, why are we doing this? But anyway, that's another story for another time. But back to Flash Gordon. I thought the cartoon was great. I thought the you know the, char- the, the character constructions were great. Filmation I always had ways of cheating to make you know animation as effective as possible. I always loved their backdrops and uh, and you know background you know uh, scenery for, for you know for their uh, you know for, for their cartoons. I just for that cartoon series I just loved it and it made me love the movie even more even though it's like two different things I didn't care you know that that was something that like two things just came together for me and I just loved so yeah Flash Gordon Filmation Cartoon Uh, you can probably get it on the cheap on Amazon or eBay now because the company that used to have the rights to it is out of business so check it out nice thank you
2: All
1: right, this is it right here. This is my guilty pleasure because this one set off the reason why I do Jetta, uh, the, the comic book. It, it, it uh, set off my martial arts uh, obsession, uh, martial arts movies, and the reason. And, and really tell you the truth, the reason why I, I love ninjas and the reason why I trained uh, uh, in, in the martial arts for as long as I did. Ninja Three, the domination, though. Ninja Three, <laughs> the domination. Yes. All right, I gotta say it. That movie, I don't care if you look at it then or now. I got to say that that movie, deep down in my heart, I know it sucks, but I don't care. <laughs> I just do not care. Uh, Lucinda Dickey is, is is Jetta in my head, uh-huh. and that's the reason why I ended up creating Jetta. You ought to see the first renditions of Jetta because she had a headband just like Luc- Lucinda Dickey wore in that movie.
0: Did she have leg and warmers?
1: She had leg warmers, <laughs> and she looked like a trucker. <laughs> so it was. She was a trucker ninja. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, I I love that. I love that movie, man. And, and, you know, I don't don't even know why. It's just so, I'm just so crazy. I mean, for one, things like uh, the evil ninja at the beginning, when he attacks a golf course and they end up going to like, the golf course ends up turning into uh, a, a shooting gallery with a helicopter flying over top and he takes out the helicopter and they land a the lake and I'm, I'm looking at him like where the hell the lake come from you know what I mean everything just crazy off the top stuff the um, ninja gets mowed down by like cops who are okay all of these guys got like machine guns and, 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 and sawed off shotguns and they're standing in a circle around the ninja somebody's got to miss at some point and shoot <laughs> the other guy but they never do they all shoot the ninja, right? And he still gets up and he kills like 20 to 30 of them before he digs himself into the ground. <laughs> what? That is crazy. That is crazy action. <laughs> I cannot believe that. You know, I'm looking at this as a kid. I'm like, man, I want to be a ninja. You see how many bullets he took? You know, sneaks out of the ground, goes up, goes up to shoot. Lucinda Dickey is... For one thing, she's on top of a. What's she doing? She's like some kind of electrician or something, putting up some wire cables or something. See the ninja on the ground. She goes up to help the ninja. If I see a ninja on the ground, dude, I'm not helping him, dude. I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna watch where he's doing because I'm gonna try and try and go where he's training. But <laughs> she goes up and helps him. He transfers his powers to her. Man, dude, come on, man. And she's colder than he is. Yes. In, in, in the in the movie, she go around kicking folks. But killing cops and everything else, and the, the kicker is that at the end, even though she was possessed, you know what I mean? She never goes to jail. She's the <laughs> one that killed all those cops. She's the one that did all the dirt, but she never goes to jail because she was possessed. Let me go get in trouble. I'm gonna say I'm possessed by a ninja. Man, I'm going straight. I'm going straight downtown. <laughs> straight downtown, man. Uh, the movie makes no sense, mm-hmm. but it's awesome. Anyway, no, you know what I mean, Then you got you got Shokasugi walking around with the eye patch that really a ninja star. Man, come on. <laughs> get any better than that. You cannot get any better than Ninja 3 The Domination, man. I'm just saying.
0: No, man. The scene the scene where uh, where the lady that's possessed by the ninja, she stands near her closet and her closet door opens. And there's this sword <laughs> and there's a sword like you know, ghost sword like hanging up in the air and it's floating over True. to her. And like, you know, they they got like, you know, like the um, they got like the smoke coming out from the bottom of the closet and the lights are shining. And you can see like the invisible string holding the sword as they move it over. Boy, in
1: that same scene, in that same scene, Right. She's getting ready. She's starting to get possessed and stuff. Right. She's hearing all these noises in her house. So what does she do? She doesn't get out the house. She doesn't run out of the apartment or anything like that. She turns on the uh, stereo. And says, I'm going to dance the demons away. <laughs> and start dancing, man. <laughs> and the sword comes out and chops, <laughs> and chops the stereo in half like, so. <laughs> you going to listen to me. I'm trying to take over your mind. <laughs>
0: um, I'm oh, man. Like, that movie, oh, that
1: movie, oh, that movie man. is hilarious. Awesome. Uh,
0: that, is, that sounds absolutely amazing. That, that's got to be on Netflix somewhere, y'all. Y'all got to be able to peep that. Uh, I've. I saw, that movie, I saw that movie with my mother in the movie theater. She took me to see Ninja, The Domination. We saw a late show. So we saw a late show um, at this like, little rinky-dink theater. It was like a 1130 at night show, and she took me to go see it. And when that sword – because my mom was more excited to see it than I was. And, and when she saw the sword come out of the closet, and when she saw the invisible string, she was like, Are you serious? She's like, "Can you can, can you at least work out so I can't see the string? I know I didn't pay a lot to see this, but can you help me?" And you know, it just it makes me chuckle. Yeah, Shokazugi, that was my homeboy too. He's still to this still to this day as far as you know, he was one of the guys in the 80s where we didn't have like a lot of martial arts you know United States martial arts stars, you know, because after Bruce Lee had passed, and they had tried Jackie America had tried Jackie Chan in the early eighties with a bad film called The Protector, but then he had yeah. to dis- then he disappeared, went back, you know, to to his home country, made some great movies, and they came back in the nineties. But Shokazugi was like the only guy in the eighties that made a mark in the United States, right? You know, so um, but that thing I loved about the thing that
1: I loved about Shokazugi too is that he was for real. Yes. Like, he was really a ninja. And that, in, in my head, you know what I'm saying? I mean, at, at the time, in the 80s, man, my, my idea of a ninja was Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> when you say somebody is a ninja, I'm like, oh, you mean like Snake Eyes Storm Shadow, GI Joe. When, when, I, when I heard that Shokuzuki was for real a ninja, I'm like, this dude is for real Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow? <laughs> you know what I mean? For real, you know what I mean? So, that, you know, and that, that, that that really made it, made the movie uh, to me, you know, at the time as a kid, even more, you know, the, just just that much better because they had a real ninja in here, you mm. know what I mean? And then Lucinda Dickey is right here pouring V eight on her body for this hairy dude. You you, you remember that scene? <laughs> There's a really hairy dude that she going out with, yeah. who, too much he verbally abuses her, and she agrees to go out with him, and then she pours V eight on herself
0: yes. for him. It, it, yeah, know, it was biz- I, that was bizarre.
1: That was weird, man. That was a little weird because they just kind of started going out, and then all of a sudden, you know, they, you know, it, she, she, she had to kill him for some reason. You know what I mean? Because he <laughs> was there at the thing. It was that. That was really sped up and kind of. It seemed like it was kind of thrown in there, man. We gotta put some in here, you know, for some type of a, you know, some type of a, a story value. You know, we need to ha- add something else other than just just martial arts and and and, and da- dancing and cards So we gotta. <laughs> got to put this in here. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, But other than that, it was cool. I I, I, I love that bad movie.
0: That's mm-hmm. all right, man. That's all right. That's why it's a guilty pleasure. There you go.
2: It's the only indie book I get in floppies these days, it's from Dynamite, and it's called The Boys. By Mr. Garth Ennis Just the insane, over-the-top Violence slash sex In this book Just the stuff he gets away with in the book mm-hmm. It's it's amazing oh, yeah. the, the the basic plot is It's our reality But there are superheroes But these superheroes are some of the vilest people I've ever Seen in any form of media I mean, they do drugs They have perverted, perverted sex They are insanely violent and so the cia uh has this group called the boys and if a superhero gets out of control they send the boys in to basically kick the shit out of them and say stop doing that um the book starts with a a new guy named huey and he's kind of your eyes into the book and i don't know it's just such a like, when I read it, I feel dirty, you know? It's such a dirty world, <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. it's just something I, like, I, I read comics, but I don't tell people that I read the boys just because it's such a filthy, filthy book. But it's it's really good, too, at the same time. Like, there's that over-the-top sex and violence and all that, but there's also kind of a really intricate kind of background story involving corporations and government and, you know, the morals of what they're doing and all this. And it's it's a really, really dirty yet interesting book. Yeah. It's really I, uh, good.
1: Weren't they weren't the uh, superhero team that the boys are monitoring, weren't they kind of responsible for nine eleven?
2: Uh not 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 the boys, but there's a, a group called the Seven. Uh that that's right. basically the yeah. uh the uh they're basically like a uh parable of the Justice League and they right. they try to save this plane from crashing but they go so over the top that this plane basically crashes into the Brooklyn bridge and it's basically that reality's version of nine 11. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's insane. It's insane. Yeah. It's really, I was tripping. Yeah. It's, it's really good. And you know, all, all, all the boys are very interesting kind of, kind of deep characters. And it's, it's like I said, but it's just a filthy filthy book to read when it comes to the violence and the sex. I'm like, oh, man, I I really should hide this book from from people that are, you know, I don't know, like put it under my mattress when I'm done reading it or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just, uh, it's really good though. It's it's really good.
0: And it's definitely the type of book where the tag for mature readers should be like smacked on the front
2: in right. big red letters.
0: Yes. Yeah. You know, and but and and it's 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 kind of it's also kind of sad at the same time. Like, and I I've never I've never read The Boys, but the fact that. It's you know with comic books you know there's still that that notion that only comics are for kids, and you know we don't do that with any other mediums you know like the perfect example is cartoons prime prime time animation is a perfect example you know whether it be The Simpsons, Family Guy, uh, South Park, um, American Dad, The Boondocks that stuff's not for kids and people understood for for the most part you know people with common sense know that that's not for kids. And nobody thinks anything bad about it if you talk one-on-one with somebody, if you talk about the latest episode of, uh, you know, Boondocks or Venture Brothers or anything like that. Nobody says anything. But when it comes to comics, there's still that depiction of comics as just being, oh, this is just for kids. So when they see something like The Boys, they're, they're completely appalled. And you know they're like well why are kids reading this i'm like no kids shouldn't be reading it because the tag on the front says you know for mature readers so but you know the the medium in a whole is for everybody so there's going to be stuff there should be stuff for everybody so i kind of wish it just had that that kind of you know not not that book i'm just talking about comics in general across the line had that respect you know what i mean
1: right right Mm -hmm. yeah
0: All right, Bill, you going to close us out with uh, one of your favorite guilty pleasures.
3: All right. On, uh, on behalf of the, uh, the network, the HHWLOD Podcast Network, uh, I've, uh, I've been told that I wasn't supposed to say this because be it else be like for me, but I'm going with Farscape, the, uh, the greatest sci-fi show to ever air. <laughs> that, includes, uh, that includes Star Trek, uh, that includes Bad 1-5, that includes Battlestar Galactica, that includes whatever you want to throw into it. The most cinematic, the most mind-boggling, um, the biggest risk-taking uh, show that I've ever seen air um, on, uh, on network uh, television, uh, cable television, I guess, Farscape. I mean, they, um, they start out, uh, it starts out with a really weird vibe to it, um, you know, it's done by uh the the Henson, uh Jim Henson's uh, creature shop. Yes. So you've got a lot of uh basically uh, really ugly muffets rolling around. But uh Ben Browder, um, Crichton, um, he's uh he's a guy I've had a man crush on for years now. And uh you know, <laughs> I'm not comfortable enough to do that. Um, but the stories, um, as you get into the second season, um the stories start getting so thematically dense and it becomes a, a real true epic, and by the third season, they spend the entire third season with the with the uh, the cast literally split up into two crews, and they're kind of bouncing back and forth. You know, each episode, it was just it it, it was really an amazing way to tell a story. And then the last season, um, yeah, the, the whole whole premise of the show is uh, John Craig, an astronaut, um, is doing testing for a new kind of engine, basically on what is basically a shuttle craft um to the present day earth and ends up um, uh basically tripping open a wormhole and gets shot to the other side of the universe. Uh one of my few beasts the show is that in the fourth season, uh they kind of lead you to believe that it wasn't really the side of the universe, maybe the side of the galaxy. So, you know, I I personally like the idea that he was on the other side of the universe. But anyway, the fourth season, he finally gets back to Earth. Um, then they a couple seconds after they get back to space, but the last six episodes or so of the series and the whole series has been great up to this point. But the last six episodes or so and I'm sitting there thinking, it's it kinda like it's kinda like Chuck. Every week feels like a movie. And at the end of every episode of Farscape, I stand up and cheer. And every episode <laughs> feels like a a cinematic experience. I mean, because the sets are so cool and I don't know how they did it on whatever budget Sci-Fi and Bonnie Hammer gave them, um, but every week feels like a movie. Mm-hmm. And never forget them for telling um, the Far Trek creators at the beginning of the fourth season, "Hey guys, uh, you're doing great. Ratings are nice. You guys got two more years." Halfway through the fourth season, they go, "Oh, that fifth year? Yeah, we were kidding about that." Mm. Uh, it was the exact opposite of what happened to uh, Battle on Five, where they told um, they told uh... j Michael, uh, they said, Hey, you're getting the fourth season. You're not getting the fifth season. So he accelerates his entire timeline um, to get the story finished by the end of the fourth season. And then at the end of the fourth season, they say, Oh, hey, uh, JMS, um, we want you to do a fifth season again. And JMS says, Well, but I already told my story. I guess I'll figure something out. They did the exact opposite Farscape. Farscape did get a uh, four-hour mini-series to kind of wrap things up uh, called The Peacekeeper, which is also real good. Um, And it amazes me. It's not so much a a hidden gem or a guilty pleasure, I guess, because Farscape has still got an ongoing comic book series, which trips me Mm out. And uh, I'm I'm a bad guy. I haven't read one issue of it. But the series, oh, my gosh, go out, find it. Um, My one beef... Uh, with my collection, is that I've got, you know, standard. I, I don't know if it's out on Blu ray yet, or I don't know if it'll ever be out on Blu ray. That'd be awesome. I, I'd, I'd love to consider it if it did. But the transfers, especially in the first season, are really borderline awful. Mm. Um, it's kind of uh, grainy, it just doesn't look real good. Um, but you know, looking back in the days, when you're watching stuff on your 27 inch Sony Trinitron, you're thinking this is great. You know, this is before you know 40, 50, 60 inch flat screens. This is before high def. Um, now, the fourth season, uh, I think the third season too, uh, they did go to a uh, 16 by 9 aspect at least, mm-hmm. and uh, the fourth season looks pretty dang good. Um, but uh, but yeah. Yeah, look at it. If you're going and getting those DVDs, uh, I started collecting them at uh, half-price books. Got almost the entire first season, and uh, then, then you know, then I was hooked, and it was off the races trying to trying to figure out where I could find them. I'm one of those kids that I just I don't I don't order much stuff offline uh, or online. And if I want something, it becomes a grail-like quest to go out and find (laughs) it in the store so I can actually hold it in my hands. So yeah, I spent uh, quite a while. completing uh my set and I'm in one of those situations where you know I want to watch the entire series over again about once every six months and um you know I just life gets in the way. What a drag man. But um but yeah life uh life is better with Farscape in it. So um so I'm <laughs> I'm I'm pretty happy with that. And yeah, uh great cast. Um uh the stories um I have an issue with big sci fi that retreats into telling just little tiny human interest stories more often than big hard sci fi.
4: Right.
3: And Farscape, you know, they kept continuity going, you know, for years. They had character development. Um, but I think Farscape, you know, of course it's about the relationship between Crime and the aliens, but it doesn't feel like it. It feels like it's hard sci fi, it feels like it's driving. To an end game, and by God, it did. And um, man, it paid off well. And it's just too bad that uh, that they'll uh, they'll not go and um, you know we'll we'll never see it on the big screen again. So it makes me sad, but but uh, i always in my memories. So yeah, cool. And uh, I was going to throw in uh, uh, Grant Morrison's One Million, but I don't have time for that. So, <laughs> everybody go read One Million. It's awesome. And if you can't tell. I'm a fan of hard science fiction. Yes. I mean, you know, sci-fi, you know, anything can be uh, a a petri dish to explore the human condition. And, you know, obviously you need to have some of that when you're trying to relate a story. it's got to be relatable, you know, in in some sense. But what I want is I want to be on the other side of the universe. I want to see things that you couldn't even conceive you're about to see. You know, I want to see, you know starships fired each other, you know, firing phasers at each other in anger. You know, I wanna see warp drive, I wanna see I wanna see what the other side of the uh you know, what the other side of the neighborhood looks like basically. <laughs> and so uh that's what I love about sci fi the ability to just take you away and um you know uh... take you into the future, you know? Like uh like one million did. And I kinda sure hear <laughs> that in, is didn't I. I'm kinda proud of myself right now. <laughs> <laughs> If there are any dissenters out there, uh, I'd be glad to uh, take you up on it uh, uh, via Skype or an email chain or whatever you want. So bring it. I'm ready.
0: Gentlemen, thank you, thank you, thank you for being a part of uh, this uh, Guilty Pleasures uh, Part two or three or or, or the remix whatever we want, we want to call it thank you for thank you for being a part of it no um, auto-tuned no no auto-tune no auto-tune <laughs> this is it's all natural baby all natural
2: nice
0: <laughs> but um i'll tell you what let's go down the line uh Martheis, where can the people uh see your works and um and where can people learn more about jetta uh, man, you can go
1: to uh, www.toshigawa.com. That's uh, T-O-S-H-I-G-A-W-A.com, and uh, read the few the free web stories that we got up there. Uh, you can order the, the the original graphic novel series from there as well. And the the web stories and the graphic novel series kind of work in tandem together. Uh, if you want to know backstory about some of the characters that are not prominently featured into the graphic novel, then you can always find them on the web stores and they're free. Or, you know, you can download the, the, um, uh, some of the stores that we have from our website. Um, you can download them to, uh, um, from uh, uh, wowio.com and soon to be my visual comics. i got to get my stuff up on there. But um, you can download them to your iPod, iPad, um, your iPhone, uh, whatever e reader you got, your computer, uh, and you know, check it out, read it. Um, uh, you can also see some of my work in Star Wars sketch cards. I'm doing some some cards for Tops, um, as well as uh, the new Jetta book. The new graphic novel should be out sometime in late uh, January. So uh, be on the lookout for that stuff too. Um, and uh, hopefully, some some word about the movie as well coming out um, here in the next few months or so. So uh, you want know, to look out for all that. Plus, I got a soundtrack as well that's going to come out in tandem with both the movie and the, uh, the, um, comic, the graphic novel. It's really, it's really more geared towards the graphic novel, but uh, we'll see what happens. But all that stuff, you know, words and stuff are coming out about that, and updates, and type of, all types of good news are coming out about that pretty soon, and you can find that all on, on Toshigawa.com.
0: Well, awesome. Well, when you get when you get that paper from uh, from that movie deal for Jetta and everything else, um, when I see you, if you got the Ric Flair championship belt on and the big fur coat <laughs> and the sunglasses <laughs> and, and,
4: and,
0: and, and the shoes that cost more than some people's houses, you know, just just make sure you remember me. That's all I'm saying.
1: If I come in the super show, if I come in the super show with that, on, um, then you know something good happened, man. Yes. I yeah. just come on and I have a tape recorder in the back that
2: has this music and I just walk in. Woo! <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> Styling and profiling. <profile>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's right.
2: <laughs> All right. Well, hey,
0: Lucas, where can people listen to the HandyCast, and where can people find you?
2: Well, there's our website. It's www.handicast.libsyn.com. We've got our Gmail, handicast at gmail.com. Uh, we're on the forumforgeeks.com. I've got my own forum there. And you can go into iTunes and you can subscribe to us in the store there. And we've got a Facebook group too. Uh, and there's no real rec- regular recording schedule. I just record when whenever I feel like it, but that's how you can find us. Awesome.
0: And, uh, Bill, um, where can the people find half hour wasted and the half hour wasted and legion of dudes, family of podcasts.
3: Hey, first of all, I'd just like to say that you guys completely rock. It was, it was awesome being here. And, uh, Lucas, man, that whole recording, whatever you feel like it, thing, genius, absolute genius. <laughs> so, uh, you know, congrats, uh, congrats to that. Nice not having to keep a schedule. Um, yeah, uh, I'm a uh, proud, uh, proud part of the uh, HHWLOD podcast network, as I said, and uh, you can find that at HHWLOD. Of course, that stands for Half Hour Wasted and Legion of Dudes. So HHWLOD.com, and um, if you're uh, dumb enough to think I'm uh, clever, you can uh, check out a tweet or two of mine. Uh, I am the voice HHW um, on Twitter. And um, no, I don't usually have anything to say. But uh, you know, if you're just if you've got nothing better to do, uh, you know, you can uh, you can watch me uh, retweet uh, what other people think is uh, clever. And uh, then half our waste has taken a uh, a couple week hiatus. Uh, we think Legion of Dudes are going to pull some more hijinks. Um, people may or may not know this, but uh,
2: that was amazing. Episode,
3: by the way, episode 200.1 uh, was a Legion of Dudes production, and um, I you know I really thought that they were going to try harder to actually do Brad, to do Frank, to do me. Um, but, you know, I didn't really get that. Now They were awesome, and it was funny. But, uh, you know, I was really hoping that somebody would actually step up to the plate and try to do a, an imitation of me, uh, which I think would be really easy. So, uh, you know, good times there. But uh, those kids are awesome. Uh, those uh, Legion of Dudes, uh, they also get credit for starting the uh, forum for geeks uh which was an amazing uh um uh, production and um it was born out of uh uh the great CGS. Uh they were just literally having major technical issues with their boards and people were getting um not fed up or angry with uh with the the, the C G S guys but just frustrated with the fact that they couldn't um you know they couldn't get their opinion out there on a bestial board somewhere. So, Forum for Geeks uh, was born, and uh, Lucas is uh, down with it, and um, it's uh, it's really grown. It's pretty amazing, and I have nothing to do with the technical side of it, by the way. <laughs> so, don't don't let me sound like I'm taking any credit for it at all. But it's uh, it's pretty amazing to be part of that network. Uh, you know, if you've uh, followed the Walking Dead, uh, I've got a podcast for that. Uh, if you're big into Daredevil, there's a podcast for that. If you like uh, Cosmic Talk do leech dudes and if you like uh, general jackassery that's uh, so pointless hey check out some half hour wasted I mean good lord it's in the name people so yeah you know, so uh, so we have fun with it and uh, we, uh, we we love the listener so yeah you know, that's uh, that's how
1: it goes
0: well but gentlemen thank you so much for being on the show and um, as always uh, we'd love to have uh, you guys back on again
2: alright man cool that's awesome yeah looking forward to it man hey where's the clothes music
3: <laughs> no, no, no. that that's
2: all in post sir that's all in
0: post <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and that concludes this week's pkd black box the pkd black box is available via itunes or you can go to pkdmedia.com to get our show check out our form and read comics like mercury and the murd X O one on the rock solid steel bots, agents of Cult, and luke fosters the gang from the store six days a week for free And if you're on iTunes or our forum board, drop us a line or email us at blackbox at pkdmedia.com. Thanks again for listening. Until then, dream big and hustle hard.